All right. So I did not go to college um, for broadcasting to broadcast up here on the pulpit, just so everyone knows. Not that that's a bad thing, but um, God is definitely able to use what you do separate, even if it's totally totally against what God wants for you, he's able to use that for his kingdom. So me going to college for broadcasting and working for a TV station for two years, definitely God can use that for me to use that um, on the pulpit, in the pulpit, on the pulpit. <laughs> I just want to, I came here tonight to tell you God is in this place. Um, he's not only in this place, but he's in your everyday life. He's there when you're asleep. It's like Santa Claus. He's there when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you're sleeping. He's there with you at work. So I came here tonight to tell you God is in this place. God has marked you. Um, and I'm not talking about marked as in um, you have a calling on your life. I'm talking about he has marked you if you, if you have accepted him as your personal savior. Um, and I'm assuming I'm looking around tonight. I'm assuming all of us have accepted Christ as our Savior. So um, I came here tonight to tell you God has marked each one of you and that his name is written on you. Um, what you do can affect how people see God. Um, what you do can also make God look bad or good. Um, so tonight the scripture I want you guys to um, write down and also read with me tonight is 1 Samuel 16 and 17. 1 Samuel 16 and 17. And I'm just going to read a few portion or a few verses out of those two um, chapters of 1 Samuel. But um, if you guys have read this book, Samuel, it's this portion of Samuel. He's talking about King David when he um, has be is not king yet, but he is being anointed to be king over Israel. So, um, backstory to this. First, I want to say, like I said, God is here. You are marked by God. And anybody who's in this room who is discouraged, defeated, and depressed, God sees that you are more than what you are facing right now. So whatever you've gone through in this life in the past only helps mold what God is going to do through you in the future. It is a process to God's purpose. Or as the scripture we are reading today, it's a process to the palace. So King David, let me give you a background to this. So King Saul, as you guys, if you've read this chapter, King Saul was anointed by God to be king of Israel. So, um, but what I'm about to read, he's about to lose the anointing of God because he decided, although he had the anointing of God, he was doing, his th doing things his own way. So God decided to remove his anointing and put it on David. So God will get his job done on this earth, whether it's through someone else or through you. Um, if he anoints you to be Somewhere in a job, as a pastor, um, if you decide to do things your own way, God has the right to take that anointing from you to someone else. And in this book I'm about to read, or book, I went to college. So in the Bible, in this um, chapter I'm about to read, God took his anointing from King Saul and placed it on King David. Or right now he is just David because he's a young child. All right, so 1 Samuel 16, verse 6. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord, Lord's anointed is before him, because Eliab was the strong, nice-looking one out of all the brothers that David had. 
He said, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or his height of stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Aren't you glad that God looks at our heart and doesn't look at the outward appearance? If God looked at me and said, Andrew, you're going to speak tonight, I highly doubt I would be the chosen one to speak tonight. God looks at each one of our hearts <laughs> and says, you are the one I choose. So, Devin, you're the one that God has chosen to speak Sunday night. So, then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shamhah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are, these all, your, are all your sons here? And, and then Jesse said to Samuel, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And all of the brothers were like, we can't sit down because we can't eat now. We're waiting on David. So as you read in that last part of that, um, as we read in that last part of that chapter, David was the least expected. David was the least expected to become king. Even his dad didn't believe he could become king. He was, he was saying, oh yeah, I forgot about the son that's in the field. Because Samuel was saying, you, you have to have more sons because I feel like God's saying there's someone missing here that I need to, to anoint. And so um, David was in the field taking care of the sheep, and Jesse said, oh yeah, I forgot, I have another son. He's way out there. He's the youngest. And so God can, even if, even if other people are calling you things that you have done in your past, God can still use you. Or whatever you're doing right now, that people name you, say, Oh, that's the person who has been divorced. That's the person who's um, been on drugs before. That's the person who um, I saw getting beer at the Walmart down the road. People can name you all they want, but God can still use you as long as you are following after God this second. You can change your path from the second that you decide. It doesn't matter if one second you're doing one thing that's not for God. If you decide that I'm going to start following God's path for me, God will start using you from that moment on. And no matter what others say, you should always focus on what God wants you to do. And so the brothers didn't get to sit down and eat. They had to stand there until they got um, David from the, from the field into, inside. And he said, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome, like me. <laughs> and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, with, for this is he who, who will be king, is what he's saying. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So at that moment, David was a young child, but from that moment on, he was anointed by God to, in the future, be king of Israel. 
Now, at that moment, he didn't just become king as soon as he was anointed by God, but there was a process starting from that moment that David would be on to eventually become king. Do the things in life have you questioning, did God really call me? Is there really more to this job or marriage I'm going through right now? And I'm here to tell you, yes, God has anointed you. He has called you and he has blessed you. But you know, if you don't follow God and follow his path, the enemy will come and tell you to stop trying or give up. Some of you may not know what God is doing right now. What God did in your 20s and 30s was great, but what is God going to do in your 60s and 70s? Because that's just as important. What will God do when you, after you claim bankruptcy? What will God do after you go through a tough divorce? No matter what you're going through right now, you are marked by God. What does marked by God mean? It means that I'm talking about when you have asked Jesus to be Lord and Savior and you accepted him into your heart. That is what I'm talking about. That is when you are marked by God. So I have a story now that I was wanting to share that um, when I was in high school, I played on the high school baseball team. I was in much better shape than that was only five years ago, but I was in a lot better shape. <laughs> so um, I was playing on the high school baseball team, and every day after school we had practice. Five days a week we had practice. So um, one day we're, we're in the dressing room of the football locker room because we had to change in the football locker room because baseball, no one cared about baseball at our school, so we didn't even have our own locker room. <laughs> so we're in the football locker room changing before practice, and um, this kid named Tyler, he is set up just outside the bathroom because we had a nice locker room for the football team. So there was a nice door that separated the bathrooms from the actual locker room where you changed. So he's in there changing and I'm in the bathroom. And so when I get out of the bathroom, I slowly open the door. You could never trust anybody you played sports with in high school. So you, I open the door slowly. And as I open that door, Tyler Martin is right there by the door and he has a football right here. And as soon as I open that door, he throws it as hard as he can and throws a football and hits me in the face, bounces off the door, hits me again in the face, and then I fall backwards. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. He wasn't mad at me. He thought it was funny. That was a joke to him. But the reason why I brought that story up is because God reminded me of that story because there is never a hit in life like the one you don't see coming. You will... You will never be ready if you don't prepare for a hit that's coming in life. All of the tough stuff you guys go through in life, it's a lot worse when you're not prepared and you're not in God's word and you're not in God's presence and you're not um, full, as full of God as possible when those tough times come. Although we are marked by God, when we accept him into our lives, there are still hits of life coming. There will be amazing times, but God will also allow us to go through tough times. There is, a, there is never a hit like the one you don't see coming. That is why I will give you some tips tonight that are in, the, in this story about David of how he followed God. All right, so tip number one, God will approve you in private before you're positioned. Read Samuel 17.36 with me. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. 
And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the beast will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And, the Saul, and Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. God prepared David long before he was going to meet Goliath. This is right before God, or right before David met Goliath and killed him with a single stone. David was explaining how God had used him and prepared him long before he was going to have to face Goliath because David was, David was not even a little bit scared to face Goliath. I was looking it up, and Goliath was um, claimed to be nine feet tall, and that was like no exaggeration. He was nine feet tall, and David was a youth, so I'm assuming there's some youth that are as tall as me, but I'm assuming David was probably at least my height or shorter. So he is facing Goliath, who's nine feet tall. He had no fear in the, in the world because God had prepared him for that moment. God prepared David while David was alone in the field guarding the sheep. God will first approve you in private long before he positions you. We all want to be a CEO, pastor, manager, but you got to go through the training before the battle. Be content with doing the last thing God told you and stay in his presence. That is where God will do the work. So where God has you at this moment, if that's where you know God wants you to be, don't be trying to push, to push God's will on something else. And if you're in this room and you know God has called you to bigger and better things, then what are you doing? And are you try to push the anointing without God's timing. If you push the will of God, that gives the devil opportunity to speak death into what God has planned for passion. It's the easiest to kill a king when it's an infant stage. What are you saying, Andrew? If you, push to be, if you push to go be a manager in your job long before God has planned for you to be a manager, then that is perfect opportunity for the devil to send all the flaming arrows at you. But if you follow God's timing for your life, you'll be prepared for all of Satan's flaming arrows, and you'll be able to push to the purpose even through the trials. God was with David, and David was with God. So that David teaches us in this that if we are in the Bible, if we're praying, if we're always with God, and, and if we're always with God and God's always with us, then we have nothing to worry about. Any trials we go through, we don't have to worry about it because God is with us. Number two, anointed before you're positioned. 1 Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul at that very moment. So the moment that David was anointed as king, the Spirit also left Saul. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented Saul. And Saul's servants said to him, Behold now, a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servant, servants for who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you will be well. So in that, they're talking about, Samuel, or talking about David playing the harp. So um, the guy who I got this sermon from, his name is Michael Todd, and he says, 
that David was be was wailing in the field on his harp. And so they're looking for <laughs> they're looking for a guy who can just flat out play the harp like no one's business. So that way that when Saul is getting attacked by the devil or not the devil, attacked by this spirit that some person can play the harp so well that it distracts the spirit or distracts Saul from even knowing that he's got this spirit upon him. And so even though David was the one to be called to be king. He didn't go straight from being a shepherd to king. He went from shepherd to harp player, extremely great harp player, to being king. So that teaches us that God, when you feel that, let's say you're 15 years old, and you know that you come up to the altar one night in, in service or one morning, and you know that God has anointed you to become a pastor someday, you have to know that there's going to be a process to get there. That you're not going to be the next day. You're going to be the pastor of some mega church. Um, you have to be okay with that, at that process also. God wants us to be okay with his process, not our process. You can be in leadership and not be anointed. This, in that verse that I just read, Saul was still king, but his anointing was gone now. So it is possible that the manager you have right now, the boss you have right now, um, pastors you see around this area, it could be possible they are in, in leadership now, but God has taken their anointing. Um, that's why maybe you don't like your boss. <laughs> if God has not anointed your boss to be, your bo or to be a boss, that could be why you guys have conflict, but that boss is still your boss, and you have to have the audacity to honor that boss while they are your boss. A leader is still a leader because God has, a, God has still placed them above you. King Saul once was marked, but started doing things his own way and lost his anointing. God will always fulfill his purpose. God had to mark David to, to fulfill his purpose, because if God wouldn't have removed Saul's anointing, his purpose in Israel would have never happened. David was anointed long before he was positioned. David's experience didn't match being king of Israel, not in any way. He was just a kid watching sheep and goats, just, just in the field, playing the harp, watching sheep and goats. Does that look like a king to you? That is not a king in our eyes. So the person that you may see as the most lowly person may be the greatest in God's eyes. David was actually the least expected out of all his brothers to be anointed as king. His dad didn't believe in him. His brothers didn't believe in him. No one even thought about him. His dad said, you mean that one in the field? And after David was anointed, guess where he went? Not to be king. He went back to be with the sheep. He went back to the field. A lot of times God will anoint you in private and you will still be going back to where you feel you shouldn't be. But God knows where you need to be. David went back to the sheep. Does that sound like where you're going tomorrow morning? You going to work with the sheep tomorrow morning? God won't let you be a leader up there in a higher position if you aren't a servant leader down here. A lesson that we can learn from David is 
torment what torments your leader. So like we read in that verse, they, they wanted David to come play harp for Saul, King Saul. And so David was an answer to a prayer that Saul had. He wanted to be able to sleep at night. So David was the answer to that. And so if you guys ever want to be a leader, find what torments your leader. Say, so you kids, your moms, they're always doing dirty dishes. Those dishes torment them. Torment what torments your leader. Do the dishes. David wailed on the harp for his leader after he knew he was already anointed to be king. You may know that you're called to greater things than washing dishes, but still wash the dishes. All right. <laughs> Verse 16, I mean, chapter 16, 16. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek over, seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre, and when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it and you will feel well. You will be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. One of the young, man, young men answered, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Therefore, therefore Saul sent messages to Jesse and said, Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey laden with bread and skin of, skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David, his son, to Saul. And David came to Saul and extended his service. And Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. David also never would have met Goliath and became king if he didn't listen to God and go take his brother's lunch and be the bite squad for his brothers. So I'm going to also read verse or chapter 17, verse 20. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went at as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host and was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. So a little background there. So um, David, in that verse, he's taking lunch. That his, his, his father Jesse has just told him, hey, I know you're playing harp for King Saul, but I've got message from your brothers that are at war right now against the Philistines that they need something to eat. So he goes back, he's playing harp for Saul. He goes back to his house, or whatever they're living in back in Bible times, <laughs> gets some food, takes some food to his brothers. So basically he's the bite squad. If you guys know what bite squad is, they'll bring you food. You can order it and they'll bring it to you. So he takes this food to his brothers. They're at war. And this is where we find that David is being obedient to no matter no matter if he feels like it's too low of a position for him, because by this time, he's in the palace now. He may not be king yet, but he's in the palace serving the king, and he is, he is feeling great at this point, but he still listened to God, listened to his father, and did the lowly position of taking food to his older brothers. So I want to give you the third point. point. It's opportunity is wrapped in obedience. 
Like we read in the last verse, David obeyed his father and obeyed what God had for him. Also, David, when he left to go take his brother's food at war, he had another shepherd come watch the sheep while he was gone. God will never leave you. God will never ask you to leave something undone to go do something else. So um, I'm going to read that over again so you guys can see. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. That's verse 20 that we just read. I think that was a great point that Pastor Michael Todd put in here. God will never ask you to leave something undone to go do something else. We see that all the time where whether it's in the church or it's in your workplace, you always have people who are hopping from one thing to another. If you're in a position and you know God has put you there for a purpose, do not leave until you know you're being released and someone else is coming in to take your place because God doesn't want a lull in his, in his process. David became an answer to a problem that King Saul had. And it's not how you are waiting on God. It's how you are waiting on others. It's not... Most of the time we, t- we talk to God like this. God, it's been so long since you've talked to me and I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I mean, God, please just... I'm waiting here on you. Come on. I mean, I want to know what I'm supposed to do in this moment. But God is saying, don't wait on me wait on others, serve others, do, do things that I've called you to do, obey me. You may not like where God has you right now. He may have you volunteering at the local boys and girls club, and you keep telling God, why do, I, why do you have me here? I am more than this. And God is telling you, your husband is there. Your wife is there. Ryan here is over looking at the nearest boys and girls club on Google right now. There is a process to the palace. You are marked. (laughs) I'm going to say that again. So it doesn't matter where you are right now because you never know what can come out of it. I went through a really tough time in my last position. I I had a great position at Walmart home office, and um, God revealed to me that there was this lady I was working with. She was probably 45 or 50 years old and she had been in church as a kid and uh and as a teenager and as a young adult she had been in church but she had not been in church since she was in her 20s and so I had felt like God was telling me that I need to witness to her and get her back in church because she was a lost sheep and she was a wayward daughter um, from God's kingdom so every day I sat next to her I'm sure she got really annoyed at me but I'd be listening to messages at work and I'd be like man, Janie, that's a great message I just listened to. Let me tell you about it. So I'd tell her about it, and she loved it. I mean, surprisingly, I'm sure she got annoyed a little bit, but she would talk back and say, tell me all the great things God had done in her life, and we just had a blast. But um, I was there for about a year and a half in that position, and one day I come in, and I had been working on Janie for the whole time, so a year and a half of trying to get her to recommit her life to Christ and come back to church. And so after a year and a half, I come in one morning. I used to get there real early, so, well, real early to a 23-year-old, so (laughs) 7 o'clock. 
7 a.m. That may not seem early to some, but 7 a.m. And so I, I came in one time at 7 a.m. And I get a notice on my email, my work email, saying, you have a meeting at 7.30. And so I go, in and I go into this room at 7.30, and it says business talk. That's all it said on the meeting planner. So I walk in. There's an HR manager sitting there. My awesome director that me and him had a great relationship is sitting there. And he says, Andrew, please sit down. And he didn't say anything else, and I already knew it was happening. And I was part of the layoffs back a few months ago. So four months ago, I was part of the layoffs. And uh, my director was the one that had to tell me I was being laid off. And he was actually like my best friend like at work. He was in his 40s, but still, he was my best friend. And so um, although it was a horrible situation and he was crying and I wasn't crying because I was like, I'll find something else. <laughs> but um, it, was, it was a hard time, but God showed me what he was doing that day. And so that day before I got laid off, so rewind two days before I got laid off, Janie comes up to me because we had just moved desks, so she's actually sitting like three desks away now, and she comes up to me, and she says, Andrew, I just want to tell you, I forgot to tell you these last few weeks, but my husband and I have been going back to church, and they live they live in Missouri, so I try to get her to come here, but that's like an hour, over an hour drive, but she said, the last few weeks we've been going to church, I just felt like God had told me that we need to start going back to church. It's been way too long, and so I was so happy, and that was two days before I got laid off, and so um, God had proven himself that day that that was the reason why I was there. I was in that position because I was trying, Janie was my reason why I was there. And so when I got laid off, obviously I didn't think about that at first. I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm, I'm jobless because Janie's going to church. <laughs> uh, but, but, but later on, God had shown me that. And so opportunity is wrapped in obedience. You have to obey God to see those opportunities of where God's going to use you. There is a process to the palace. So for David, this was part of the process. And you, every one of you is marked in this room. Um, tip number four, be elevated by the obstacles God puts in front of you. So elevated by obstacles. 1 Samuel 17, 24. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were much afraid. See, when others flee, and these are talking about the Israelites, they were all scared of Goliath when they saw him. This is as David's walking up, and he sees all his friends that he grew up with running from Goliath. So as they're running backwards, he's running forward. And see, when others flee, and, and you got others scared around you of the obstacle that's in front of you, David was being used as an opportunity, saw this as an opportunity to elevate himself. See, obstacles and opportunities are nearly the same thing when you're in God's will. You will see obstacles as opportunities to grow in your faith. And you will see them as a purpose to grow your faith through God. Philippians 4.13, 
I can do all things through him who strengthens me. God taught David some things in private that helped him elevate over this obstacle, Goliath. And God will teach you some things in, in private long before you meet those hard, really hard obstacles in life. So CJ, long before you thought about building this building, God had prepared you to build this building. We may not know what those trials were or what those um, trainings were, but God had prepared you long before you built this building to build this building. When David told the Israelite army he was going to face Goliath with a sling and a stone, I'm sure no one believed him that he would actually win the fight. And you have to be sure that God has told you something or taught you something and called you to be that person because you can't be swayed by what other people say about you. We can't be swayed when we're in God's kingdom. When you know that God has called you to be a pastor, you can't listen to your great-grandma that says, no, I think you're supposed to be the manager of McDonald's. Um, you need to stay there and not become pastor. You have to know what God has called you to do, and you have to be solid in what God has called you to be. And number five, audacity to honor. You have to have the audacity to honor your leaders. David was just a kid during this whole scripture we just read. Can you believe it? He was the least expected, but God, God called him, and he had the audacity to obey and the audacity to honor his leader, even if his leader wanted him dead. Now, in this path of following what God has for you, you may lose friends that you once thought were your closest friends. So I want to stop there. So um, there's a lot of friends that I had growing up and uh, that I had playing baseball and I had in high school when I wasn't really following God or I was being rebellious that as soon as I got older and as soon as I finally realized that, hey, this whole God thing is for me and I need to be for it, um, I lost, I wouldn't say lost friendships, but friendships changed because God wants you to be around those who are encouraging to you and not pushing you down and want you to be the person that you used to be. God wants you to be this, not this. So um, when you have the audacity to obey, when you have the audacity to honor your leaders and to be a person of um, faith, you may lose close friends that you thought were your closest friends. When the war armor didn't fit David, because during this story that I didn't read, um, the rest or the verses I didn't read, the armor didn't fit David when they tried. They're like, okay, if you want to fight Goliath, go fight Goliath. And they're like, we'll put, we'll put King Saul's armor on you, and you can go try to fight him. Well, they try to put the armor on King David. He's just this little kid, and it's too big on him. So they're like, okay, so we're going to take the armor off. And David's like, oh, that's fine. Take it off. I'll just get my sling and my stone. They're like, okay, crazy, crazy kid. You go try to fight Goliath with a sling and a stone. When the war armor didn't fit David, King Saul was totally okay with David. But when David grew into the armor and became the anointed king of Israel, King Saul wanted to kill David because of his anointing. So people may like you when you don't fit. People may like you before you're anointed. But when you're anointed by God, and they see you as a threat to them, that's when people may not like you. 
in your life, you will find that when you are in the beginning stages of what God has called you to do, people will love you and be interested in what the purpose of your life is. But when God elevates you and others aren't in the will of God, they will start having issues with you. But even in those times, you have to have the audacity to honor those who come against you. What will you do when someone's trying to shoot you down about wanting to be a pastor? When you find out dirty, dirty garbage about some person who's talking bad about you, will you have the audacity not to post it on Facebook what you know about that person? When someone makes you mad, will you have the audacity to honor that person and not post it on Facebook? But even in those times, you have to have the audacity to honor those who come against you. The heart of God is to honor even in your trials. God moves that difficult leader. Until God moves that difficult leader in your life, that person is still your leader. So in my last position, um, I had a boss that really was, the only way I can explain it is she didn't have a life besides work. So she didn't have, she wasn't married, she was um, older and she, all she did was work like 80 hours a week and not do anything but work and then go home and sleep. So um, she was a very difficult manager to work for because I could only work 40 hours a week and Walmart told me I had to go home and clock out. So I couldn't always get done what she wanted to get done and so God was teaching me a lesson that you have to have you have to have the audacity to honor what she is saying because he had placed her in, in front of me as my leader and above me as my leader. So you have to have the audacity even if you don't like what your bosses are saying or what the leaders in front of you are saying, you have to have the audacity to follow that person until God has chosen someone else. First Samuel twenty four six. So flip over some chapters. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So see, I put that verse in there because that just illustrates of how David honored King Saul. In that moment, I forgot who it was that David was with. David was with his friend, and I don't remember his friend's name. Jonathan. So David was with Jonathan, and they, they're in a cave, cave in it. And they, uh, they're in a cave, and they see Saul. Saul's in the cave, too. Saul's relieving himself, going to the bathroom. And Jonathan says, hey, David, this is your chance to kill Saul. And that's when David says, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David, even though he was the anointed one now to be king, he still saw Saul as his leader. He didn't want to kill his leader because he knew that God had put him in that place. So I want to wrap this up by um, giving you a little bit of how um, how God has shaped my life, and I wanted to give you a little bit of my testimony of how God once used me or when God used me in his will later after I finally surrendered my life to him, I was once marked, but I didn't know it. God marked me at a young age. I, uh, 
I accepted Christ in my life probably at age seven, eight, something like that. I was actually in my dad's warehouse that he had at work, and I asked my dad, I said, hey, uh, well, who's God? And he explained to me, and I accepted Christ that night, and I, was, I think I was seven or eight. So God marked me at a young age. People in the church had even prophe- prophesied over me as a kid and a teenager that I would be preaching the gospel and would be in ministry for most of my life. I never believed them. I couldn't. Because for most of my growing up years, I was living a double life. I would come to church and play the church card, but then go home and be addicted to things on the internet. As I got older, the addiction got worse. It became more than just an addiction to looking at images on a computer screen. It became a relationship problem. I had horrible relationships in my late high school years and into my freshman year of college, but you know God can still work. God was working hard on me during that time. I was surrounded by godly examples like Joel and Jeremiah Caps, my parents, Cass Donnell, many others that I didn't name, but many people in this church that were surrounding me during that time that may have not even known that I was living a double life. See, God will surround you when God will surround you with people of faith when you are marked. Even if you're trying to run from God, God will surround you with people to encourage you, to win you back. Um, God is always surrounding you. So one night, my freshman year of college, I'm sitting in a college ministry service, and the pastor is ending his message. As he's closing his message, he says, you know, I feel God is telling me there's someone in this room that is struggling with an addiction to pornography. He said, I too, I too once had an addiction to pornography. And at that moment, I knew God was calling me back into his purpose. I sat in a chair about the third row, so about right where Jordan's sitting. And uh, I waited for about, it seemed like five to ten minutes. I just sat there with my head down, talking to God in my head, saying, I'm not going up there. <laughs> I got this. Um, I know you're talking to me, God, but we can talk about this later. So, so... Um, but the pastor just stood up there like this. Like, I'm not joking. He just sat for silence for most of the time. And every once in a while, he'd go, we're just waiting. <laughs> we're just waiting. <laughs> and there was like, hun- like 100 or 200 students, college students in this room. And the pastor just kept waiting and waiting until a student would come up to the front. And after fighting God and telling him that I couldn't do, I could do this on my own, I would kept telling God, I got this. I, I can fight this addiction on my own. I finally gave in to what God had for me that night, and I walked up to the front all alone and made that best decision I could have made. That night, I made the decision to be marked again, to be called, to be blessed. God has only used that obstacle in my life to elevate me to have an amazing relationship with my beautiful wife and to bless me with a wife I don't deserve. And I believe if I wouldn't have surrendered my, surrendered my life back to God that night, I would have never met Chelsea. <laughs> and she is an amazing blessing. She was an answer to my prayer, and she is what God planned for me since he marked me as a child. God has elevated me through all I went through to use me to speak into the youth and to minister to those who have or are still going through what I have gone through. 
I am in his purpose. He is using me more than I could have ever imagined. And tonight, I want to challenge everyone here tonight who hasn't surrendered everything to God, that tonight would be that night. You are marked. You are called. You are chosen. But will you let God do the work? So God had marked me at a young age. I tried to run from what he had marked me for. I tried to... I tried to do all I could do to say, God, I'm not worthy of what you want to do in me. I'm not worthy to preach. I'm not worthy to play on the stage. I'm not worthy to learn bass. <laughs> I'm not worthy to sing for your kingdom, God. I'm not worthy to do anything you called me to do. All I'm worthy is is to go play baseball and do what I want to do. But God said, Andrew, you are marked. Andrew, you are called. Andrew, you are chosen. But will you let me do the work? And God has called each one of us to do the same thing. So... Um, I want to close tonight with just praying that each one of us would find a place tonight in this room to pray that God would do the same thing as we release everything we have and that God would mark us again tonight, that we would um, become, his, become his again and become, go back into his will and not our will. And so I'm going to pray. Jesus, I pray that you would just be with us tonight. I pray that you would um, seek after us more than you've ever seek, uh, seeked after us, God, that you would just um, pursue us hard tonight, God, that we would um, not be able to leave this place without releasing everything that we're hiding from you, God, or that we think we're hiding from you, God. I pray that you would just reveal all those hidden sins, God, that we think that no one else can see, but, um, God, you see them, God. I pray that we would just... Um, be in your will tonight, God, that we would find a place tonight to just worship you, and I pray that there would be no distractions, God, that we would just be able to um, follow after you, God. I pray that um, we would know that you love us tonight, God, that you have marked us, and that you want us to be back in your purpose, God. We have a purpose, and there is a process to the palace, God. I pray that what I spoke tonight, God, that you would use that in each one of our lives, God, that we would take it tonight out of this place and that we would use it, God, and that we would just have um, joy knowing that we're in your kingdom, God. Jesus, we thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, Andrew. I hope that you'll uh, that at the before you leave tonight, get a chance that you'll encourage Andrew. I enjoyed um, hearing him speak and uh, challenged, and uh, you know, fully agree with him. You know, God has designed us all to be champions. It's only by sin that uh, diverts us away from our of everything He's got us marked for. And when you do walk forward in a moment like you described, to me, that's the making of a champion. You know, the Bible says we only war against, we don't war against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities and powers of darkness. And I keep reminding you, it is war. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and says, you know, let's do this together. You know, don't do it on your own. Uh, that's that's the beginning of greatness. The, the guy that donated our flooring material, I've been on the phone a lot <laughs> the last few days, and he's a believer, and, and uh, 
you know, he, he told about a, a time when he was younger and working a job under a Christian man, and he said he just felt like he couldn't do anything and just thought for sure he's going to be fired. And his boss, every day, at the end of the day, would, before he left, he said, hey, you're on the verge of greatness. You're, you're, you're just on the edge of greatness. And he said those words have stuck by him so much his life, and he's poured that into others. And he said he said the, the, his boss said it with such conviction and this guy has been telling me that. I've been stressed, you know, and been trying to figure this stuff out. It's a new product, and, and we had to redo, and, and it's going to be a harder process. And I was getting discouraged, Andrew, and I was, you know, thinking, God, why do you put me in these situations? <laughs> it's like I'm a glutton for punishment. Why do I think I got a calling to floors? Let somebody else do this, right? I sucker myself into it. Nobody suckers me into it. I sucker myself. Um, and he would say that to me at the end of the phone. He'd say, hey, man, don't sweat it. You're on, you're on the verge of greatness. And, uh, you know, it's true. God's marked us. So we were already on, we aren't on the verge of greatness. We were already marked for greatness. It's just sometimes we let other things get in the way, so we're on the verge of getting to what we were marked to be. So great word, Andrew, great word. Um, I'd encourage you to encourage those who are speaking in my, on Wednesday nights in this rotation because that encouragement gives them the fuel to prepare again and be ready to speak again and so i'd really love to hear andrew speak again and i hope you'll encourage that too all right well, let's just pray again as we close lord jesus thank you for this night this beautiful night and the weather to to enjoy our ride home or wherever we're going and god i just pray that we'd all uh keep someone in mind tomorrow that that god you would uh create some divine uh, opportunities some divine appointments for us and that we'd be sensitive to that, we'd follow through, and that tomorrow would be a day of uh, much of a, much harvest, God. Seeds planted, being watered and growing, and Lord, that uh, we would see the harvest in Jesus' name. Amen.